Here we are, the new Locked On NFL with Brian Peacock and the scout Matt Williamson taking you around the league here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Tons of news coming through camp here on this Wednesday episode of the show. New updates from some injuries around the league. And we've got Bill Rossetti, who is the host of Locked On Panthers. He's going to join us in segment number three to break down everything that's going on in Carolina camp, including the health of the shoulder of one Cam Newton. Matt, how you doing, my friend? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, getting excited about the NFL. Football's happening. There's a game tomorrow which is kind of crazy. The preseason games are happening. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, one of the first things, actually, before we get to injuries and before we get to Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers, uh, the NFL Top 100 list is, is coming out. They have released 30 through 21 now. So we're getting close to the top 20. Uh, I was just wondering your thoughts. Anything that stood out to you so far from that list of Top 100 players in the NFL? I remember watching a lot of it with my son going, I always disagree with him a lot, to be very honest with you. I mean, like I'm sitting here looking at 21 through 30 and you can't tell me that there's 27 better football players than Fletcher Cox. I mean, Aaron Donald to me sits alone as the best defensive player, obviously the best defensive tackle in the league. But if it wasn't for him, you know, Fletcher Cox to me would kind of stand alone in his own right, you know? So um, I, I have a hard time with that one. Even like, um, again, on this this section here, Darius Leonard at 26, he's a, he's a great young player. But the 26th best player in the league right now already um, sort of inflated tackle numbers to some degree. And I'm not bashing him. I'd love to have him on any team. But I'm not sure he's one of the top four or five linebackers yet, let alone the 26th best player. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty flawed system the way they do this. And, you know, they got to draw this thing out and it's something to do in the off season when there's no games happening. So I understand why NFL does this. And, but it's, it seems to be a lot of times what happens is players get the recognition a year too late, or maybe uh, they're a splash player and their names out there. But, and so people are voting for them on reputation. And so it's, it's always a pretty flawed list and I don't look too much into it, but it is, I think fun for fan bases to see their guys pop up. And I know we talked about it on locked on 49ers, this week and George Kittle showing up at number 29, I think is a nice bit of recognition for him and what he did like that. last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's funny because they had D Ford show up who did all his work in Kansas city, but he's at number 67. And then you start to thinking, oh, wait a second, the best player right now in the 49ers is probably DeForest Buckner. And when you see someone like Fletcher Cox pop up at 28 and we're into the top 20, uh, I don't think we're going to see DeForest Buckner in the top 20, which means that means he's not in the top 100 at all, which is sort of, Tragic for 49ers fans. Yeah, and you said this earlier, and it really applies to linemen. And over the years, it applies to the Pro Bowl very much that it seems like once you get nominated or recognized, it's kind of hard to get out of it. You know, you may have a year or two that you don't deserve to be a Pro Bowl guard, so to speak, and you still go. And sometimes your best years are the year before you go to the Pro Bowl or get the recognition here. And I, I, I also kept it in the division and just kind of scrolled back to, you know, between 31 and 40. 
I'm sorry, but Jared Goff at 32, and I actually got a tweet today. Williamson, <laughs> why are you always killing Goff? And and I don't I don't have a problem with Goff, but you can't tell me he's that high on this list. That's that's a little rough for me. I know he went to the Super Bowl. I do like him, contrary to some popular belief, but not that high. I mean, you know, right in the Derwin James, Adam Thielen neighborhood, I, I can't quite be that rich on him. So Tom Brady was number one last year, followed by Antonio Brown, Carson Wentz, Julio Jones, and Le'Veon Bell. I got to imagine a number of those players aren't going to be in the top five again this year. Le'Veon Bell didn't even play last year. But right. do you have a guess again? Is it going to be Tom Brady again, number one? Do you have a guess at who's going to be there at the top? I would think Mahomes might be the – this is an interesting conversation, and if we ever talk about who's the best quarterback in the league, Mahomes had the best year. I mean, I think that goes without yeah. saying. Brady has the most respect, has the most – you know, has the best resume, won the Super Bowl, of course, beat Mahomes head-to-head. But – and Mahomes only has one, one year of body of work. So, you know, they couldn't be any more different in the spectrum of their careers. That's a really difficult conversation when you say – Who's better of those two? I mean, Mahomes was better the last we saw them. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind about that. Um, and even on a guy like Andrew Luck, I mean, I, I hate to say this about Brady, and this isn't what you asked, but to me, he's like the fifth best quarterback in the league right now. But if he were one, trust me, he's earned it. I mean, he still might be the GOAT, too. Right, yeah. Are you basing it on last year? Are you basing it on career? Are you basing it on what you think is going to happen this year? Are you basing it on, uh, you know, how good they are in a team environment or just pure talent. So there's a lot of ways, and I'm sure each player that votes on it does their own thing. And uh, probably a lot of guys don't put any effort or thought into it at all, which also, you know, <laughs> ruins the list in, in a lot of ways. But uh, I thought it's interesting. And they vote for their buddies. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Or the best buddies. And so, uh, and actually, speaking of things that the league puts on, I'm pretty pumped for Hard Knocks. I think the Raiders is the best possible team they could have had in there. And seeing John Gruden on that thing every week, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. That starts up August 6th. And I just saw something that came down here today that, that reminded me of it. And it was a quote from John Gruden that said, this Nate Peterman guy is growing on me. And so I forgot that Nate Peterman was even in Oakland now. And so uh, maybe that'll be the big reclamation project. Who knows? Maybe John Gruden turns Nate Peterman into a starting NFL quarterback. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm rooting for Nate. He's a pit guy. I watched him. He just doesn't throw the ball very well. And by all accounts, he's very likable. He's smart. Um, he's gotten somewhat of a bum, bum rap, obviously. I mean, he come in and throw the interceptions he did, but he looks like late career Matt Schaub to me, you know, that just throwing out routes that just hang in the air, begging for people to come steal them. Um, I am excited for hard knocks though. And, and it is kind of one of those things like my 12 year old son absolutely loves like the top 100. And I would have loved those type of things as a kid, but you got to remember too, they filter everything they show you. Um, but I do think the Raiders are absolutely the right team. I mean, AB, we were, we were making a joke on Steeler radio Antonio Brown might have a camera crew follow him, follow around the camera crew. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and Gruden, you know, is good on the air. Mayock's good on the air. And one other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the All or Nothing series with the Carolina Panthers, we're going to have Bill Rossetti on later, too, um, is, is should be really good, too. I'm planning on digging into that maybe tonight. Actually, a friend of mine that I went to high school with gets involved with that, too. So that, that All or Nothing series doesn't get as much credit as it should, but it's really good. Yeah, it's really good, and it's, it's looking backward, which I think makes it not quite as popular, but it's always done really well, and I haven't gotten into that one yet, but uh, I definitely will, too, because it's always very well produced. Yeah, it is. 
So looking at some news around the league here, A.J. Green, an update on his status. He did have his MRI, and it looks like that ankle surgery is going to happen uh, with his ligaments in his ankle, and he's going to miss regular season games. How many? Not sure. Maybe a couple, maybe four games, but A.J. Green's going to miss some time. Yeah, he is, and a lot of bad news. I mean, all the news basically out of Cincinnati on the offensive side of the ball has been rough lately. Draft a, a tackle in the first round that looked like a safe double up the off the wall, you know, real um, plug and play type of guy as much as rookies can be, and he's out. Now your best receiver is out, and I thought he would be a better version of Robert Woods. Um, injuries have plagued him lately. He does kind of have that long, lean body type that makes me worry a little bit more about long term durability than ever. Um, and you got to think, I mean, how's, how's he going to respond his first game or two back? I mean, let's say he misses three games and then that next game, he's not quite himself. I mean, the Bengals could be one and three, one and four, you know, before you know it. And then we're talking about, you know, how the wheels are falling off already. I mean, I, I worry a lot about that team right now. Coming up, Matt, I want to get your opinion about a couple of rookie offensive playmakers and Andrew Luck dealing with another injury in camp. Folks, this episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have a heartbeat for to be an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text Five Star, that's all one word, all caps, to 87000 right now and you'll learn a lot more. Choosing to start your business with five-star painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at the business. With five-star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business and meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the great satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a five-star painting owner, you will also be part of a greater neighborly community for home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and go th- and goals through local business and ownership. No one knows the home security industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Folks, I've been basically an entrepreneur and running my own business to some degree for the last 15 years or so, working from home, making my own hours. I wouldn't have it any other way, and you get a chance to do that with Five Star. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, Text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about how a 5STAR painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than it's going on its on its own. So again, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start with Marquise Brown in Baltimore because he's someone you brought up yesterday and we were talking about that offense and what it's going to look like this year in a remade offense to cater more toward Lamar Jackson. And it was noted today that Ravens wide receiver, the rookie first rounder Marquise Brown has been activated off of the pup list. So he's going to be in camp and he's going to be a big play weapon. He's like, 
he, he didn't get a chance to work out before the draft because of his injuries, but I would have loved to see him be fully healthy and go through that process because the dude can absolutely blaze. He absolutely can. I mean, maybe he would have challenged for the 40 record at the combine. He's that type of speed. I think he's in the Tyreek Hill conversation of with pads on or, you know, in terms of just terrorist speed, which is the best compliment I could give a young receiver. Like we mentioned with Green, though, in the last segment, I mean, he is a little frail-bodied guy, and injuries certainly concern me. But I think he's a lot more than just Ted Ginn, who runs real fast on the sideline, too. And even if he only does that, like we listened, talked about last, you know, yesterday, the middle of the field will have will be harder for them to defend just because of the threat of the on the outside, and those tight ends should have more room to run, crossing routes, things like that, too. But I think he, you know, at his best is a pretty darn good all-around route runner. Can beat you with comebacks and out routes, and everyone's going to fear that speed and play off of them. I think that was a really nice pick for Baltimore. Yeah, and you you made the comparison to Deshaun Jackson. I think it's the perfect comp for him and a similar body type, and you know, only 165 pounds or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll probably get a little bit bigger when he's fully healthy and able to work out. And, and do full body workouts, but uh, Marquise Brown's an interesting one. I don't know, let's say for fantasy purposes, if it's all going to come together in year one, but I think some big plays are definitely going to be happening in Baltimore, and that's just an intriguing offense, and I can't wait to see how that looks. Um, another rookie around the league, a player I really like, and he's on a stacked roster, so it's going to be more difficult for him to get touches than maybe uh, a running back that is drafted as high as Miles Sanders usually is, but NJ.com reports that Miles Sanders has very much looked the part in Eagles camp. How high were you on Miles Sanders? Do you, do you think there's a chance that he just grabs a hold of that running back job and, and maybe gets the most touches as a rookie in Philadelphia? Yeah, a couple notes on Sanders. is He went to Woodland Hills High School here in Pittsburgh where like Steve Breston, and then they have a long history of pumping out kids. And when I was at Pitt, that was our number one school to recruit. So i was been familiar with him since day one. Watched him at Penn State, of course. I was on Ross Tucker's podcast the other day, and he's doing a lot of work with the Eagles. And basically, he more or less said, you know, Sanders looks like he's playing at a different speed than Howard or any of the other backs, and the burst is very, very obvious. But I also think the Eagles are a team kind of well-known for not rushing rookies in. And the big X factor with Sanders was two things is I think he learned some bad habits from Saquon in that Saquon is so special that he can afford to not run what the play is designed and he can make on his own in a Barry Sanders like fashion or bump something outside and outrun 11 defenders to the house where Sanders is still a five star recruit type guy and very very athletic and gifted, but he ain't Saquon and nobody is, you know? Um, So I do think he has a couple bad habits and and needs to take what is there a little bit more. But the number one thing that worries me is of the backs drafted, he was far and away the worst fumbler. And that's a wonderful way to stay off the field. Yes. Pass protection and fumbleitis seems to be the two things that really plague rookie running backs and don't allow them to get onto the field. And just when you look at, I mean, there's Jordan Howard. They re-signed uh, Darren Sproles in Philadelphia. And so it's sort of the opposite situation. We talked yesterday how very much stock up on on Johnson because Theo Riddick was moved along. And so clearing a path to a ton of touches for him. 
I just I don't question the talent at all for Miles Sanders. I just question when he's going to be able to get on the field, at least early. But once he does, I think it's going to be pretty clear. And it sounds like in camp, it's already uh, he's already making it clear that he's the most talented back on the roster. Yeah, and, and that wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, if he puts the ball on the ground a couple times in the preseason or early in the year, he could end up in the doghouse in a hurry with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. But my hunch is sometimes you just have to look at the talent and it just shows that this guy brings more juice, a much more well-rounded game, assuming he continues to develop as, in the, as a pass catcher and a blocker. Howard is very limited. But I also think Howard's a good ball carrier, a little bit of an underrated ball carrier and an exceptional zone runner with power and patience. And he fits that scheme pretty well. So I still think the offense could do a lot of good things with Howard. But you know he's not going to detach or even run screens very often. Sanders just brings so much more to the table. But kind of like you were alluding to, you wonder when. I mean, it might be 2020 where he's a top 10 back. There's one more story I want to get to before we bring Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers onto the show, and it's something I didn't really expect to to have to worry about. I thought we had sort of turned the page and closed the book on the Andrew Luck injury saga, but uh, reports out of Indianapolis, Colts coach Frank Reich said that Andrew Luck's a calf now that he's dealing with is not ready to take the next step in his recovery, and so... Um, he's, he's not able to get on the field and do his thing. He had that long problem with his arm that was so difficult. And it's really cool to see him come back and be in his career. And I thought, okay, we're good. We're ready to go. Andrew Luck is going to be that Andrew Luck that we always thought we would see. And now there's a new injury that popped up with him. Do you have any worries with Luck and, and his injury history and him coming into the 2019 season? I mean, a calf like that, it doesn't really alarm me. I, you know, and I think this comes from ownership that they are going to, they always proceed with extreme caution with luck. I mean, we've rarely seen a prospect come out of school with his pedigree and with, you know, that's the first, first pick overall, no matter what year he comes out. Um, obviously, it's a concern. However, I'm also a gigantic Jacoby Brissett fan. You know, if I was a lot of different teams, I would have been calling the Colts up for Brissett, but I bet they know what they have in him. If it, had, if it would be a game or two, and that's so far down the line. I still think the Colts could be highly competitive, much more so than many teams losing a star quarterback. And I mentioned how Mahomes had the best year in the league last year, and that, that was pretty obvious. But if you take the first month or six weeks out of the equation, when new coach was getting acclimated with his team, the, the line was rounding into shape, uh, they were getting the ball out of Luck's hands ridiculously fast because they didn't know they wanted to keep him upright too and didn't trust the line yet. But if you look at the last 10 or 12 weeks of the season, Luck played as well as Mahomes. I mean, it, don't think it's crazy talk if he's the MVP this year or if we're talking a year from now and we're like, yeah, Luck's the best quarterback in the league. I mean, he's very capable of being that player. Such a talented guy, and you're right. That's of all, And I follow the draft closely. You're a former scout. You are as into the draft as anybody. And in my lifetime, that is the guy. He was the most obvious number one prospect ever the best the highest rated prospect coming out of school ever just across the board talent wise above the neck athleticism size arm strength he had it all the complete package and I just hope I see injuries crop up from him and I just I just want to see Andrew Luck as a fan of football play to that potential play to the level that I don't think we've even seen from him yet even if he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL already yeah I want to see him play until he's 40 years old you know I mean I I hope it (laughs) It isn't like, boy, that was a great flash in the pan, couldn't stay healthy, because he does have it all. I mean, sometimes in other sports, you see it more often, like 
Zion came out this year and like, uh, yeah, he's the number one pick. Or, you know, there's a lot of those type of guys. LeBron. I mean, uh, Mario Lemieux in hockey is the one that always reminds me because he's my favorite player. But there's once in a while, every five, ten years or so, in other sports in particular, everyone goes, wow, that's an easy pick first overall. You luck into luck by having Manning have such a terrible year and all that. Um, so I'm very much in his corner. I mean, I'm rooting for him. It'll be great for football. I mean, I think he can still be an all-time great. They're building that team extremely smart and slowly from the foundation up around him. And I haven't revealed this yet, but I'm kind of leaning towards picking the Colts as my Super Bowl pick. Ooh, I, I like yeah. that. Okay, you're going to take the Colts, planting your flag in the ground early. I like it. All right, we've got to get to Bill Rossetti. We're going to find out what's going on in Panthers camp and get a status report on Cam Newton after this. All right, our guest today here on Locked On NFL is the host of Locked On Panthers. It's an intriguing team to me, and uh, there's some good storylines happening there, namely their franchise quarterback and how he looks after some offseason shoulder surgery. So I want to welcome Mr. Bill Rossetti to the show. Glad to be here, Brian. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Uh, glad to be talking to you again. We got a chance to talk a couple times last season, so glad to be back with the two of you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you, brother. Thank you. First thing before we get to Cam and the rest of the roster, we don't have any uh, ACLs that popped up, no crazy injuries that happened over the last hour or so, right? No, the luckily the injury bug has stayed away from Carolina so far, so uh, knock on wood that, that it stays away for a while. Well, number one, we got to ask, how is Cam looking? How is that shoulder looking? How is the ball coming out of his hands? Is he slinging it around with his uh, textbook cannon-armed fashion? Yeah, he looks like he's back. Um, I mean, it's obviously very early in training camp, but I think a little bit of praise is warranted. It's a vast difference from where he was in the second half of last season to where he is now. He definitely looks fully recovered, or at least very much recovered, a lot better than he did last year. Uh, it's exciting. I think it's an exciting time. Uh, it, I think the the offense is going to be explosive just because – He's, he's slinging the ball. I mean, I think it was the first day of practice. He's firing a 40-yard bomb to Curtis Samuel, and that was – it was, you know, first day, but it was the moment that said, okay, Cam's back, his arm's back, we're ready to go, let's do this. So he, he, he's good to go. He's ready. Bill, that's, that's great news because often this offseason I just had this bad Andrew Luck shoulder lingering, you know – boy, he's not going to practice for training camp. Oh, he's not going to play in the preseason. Oh, maybe he won't be there for the opener. And I'm so it's great to see that he is uh, fully participating. And my big question, though, is you brought up Curtis Samuel. And Matt Harmon's one of my favorite follows. He's been on my show. He does phenomenal wide receiver work. And he, he does a reception perception, mm-hmm. talking about all strengths and weaknesses of different receivers. And a guy that he is really pigeonholing as a breakout guy is Samuel. And I'm excited about DJ Moore, too. And we'll get to him in a bit. But tell me what you think about Samuel. I kind of think he's under the radar for um, – fantasy for real life, big playability, versatility. I think he could really be something this year. I I agree, Matt. Um, You look at where he was, the jump he made from year one to year two. You know, the injuries really ruined his rookie season, and uh, he had to battle injuries even uh, leading into training camp last year. So he had a bit of a mountain to climb just to even find kind of his role in the offense. But um, once he did in the middle of the season – 
he took off, and you could see him really start to break through in this offense. And now that Devin Funches is gone, Samuel is effectively the number two. Or even, you know, I, I talked to Josh Klein on my podcast. He kind of defined them as 1A and 1B. Hmm. I really think these guys can uh, – and I, I, I kind of agree with that. I can definitely see that because I think these guys are going to be kind of interchangeable. I think there's room for both of these guys to really break out. Um, but you're right. Samuel's kind of that guy that's flying under the radar. Uh, obviously, DJ Moore is going to get kind of all the hype in this offense. But Samuel just feels like he's he's going to have that breakout year. You know, I'm fully with Matt. I, I feel this is a – you know, we, we talk about these third-year breakout players. You know, year three tends to be the big jump for a lot of these young guys, and I think that's going to happen here with, with Curtis Samuel. You mentioned the DJ Moore hype train, and I'm all about the DJ Moore hype train. I drafted DJ Moore in the Scott Fishbowl, and I'm targeting him in all of my leagues. I expect big things from him. He's so dynamic, and hearing that Cam is is back to at least close to 100% is a very good sign there. And I like Samuel as well, but is it going to be Samuel? Is it going to be DJ Moore? Is it going to be all Christian McCaffrey? Who's going to hog the targets? And what do you expect from DJ Moore here in year two? Man, that's a good question, and, and I'm with you. I actually ended up getting DJ Moore myself and Scott Fishbowl as well. So um, we're, we're knock on wood. He does well for both of us, Brian. Um, I, I love DJ Moore. I, I've loved him since he came out of college. He is just such a dynamic playmaker. You know, he could stretch the field. He could get you. He could help you out in the middle of the field. He could. He can do all sorts of things. He's just so versatile, and I think Ron Rivera is so excited to be able to really utilize him in a, a multitude of ways. And, you know, that's it, a good question between the three of them because I really think there's a lot of room for uh, all three of these guys to to really be utilized. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I mean, you know, you got to mix the tight ends in there as well. But I, I think with Cam Newton being healthy and I think the way the Panthers want to be really explosive with this offense, there's no reason to believe that all three of these guys will have a – very healthy amount of targets in this off or in this season. And it, it's funny with McCaffrey too, real quick. I, I actually did a podcast uh, with the Aussie guys and we talked about the possibility of Christian McCaffrey becoming the first running back to rush for a thousand yards and have a thousand yards mm. receiving. And then when I looked at the numbers, it's really not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, he was close. No. He hit about a thousand yards rushing last year and he had like, 870 receiving yards. So I did the math. He would only have to add like eight or nine yards to each of his game totals from last year, and that's a thousand yards receiving. So you you could have two or three thousand yards receiving or a thousand yard receivers, and one of them could be a running back. That's how dynamic I think this offense is going to be. But um, you know, D- DJ Moore I think is going to kind of be the quote unquote leader. Like I said, to kind of take what Josh Klein said again you know, kind of the 1A to Curtis Samuel's 1B. I think that's how the Panthers are going to look at it this year. So let's flip it over to the defense real quick here, too. I expect great things out of this front seven. I know Thomas Davis is gone. It's much more of a 3-4 type of edge guys now. But there's former first-round picks everywhere. Keekley's still at the height of his powers. I think their front seven could be one of the best in the league. Yeah, once they signed Gerald McCoy and you kind of started to get a picture of what this 3-4 front was going to look like, you really started to get kind of giddy. And, you know, as we expected, 
uh, McCoy, Kwan Short, and Dontari Poe are the front three, and this is a front three that is going to cause a lot of havoc, I think, for offensive lines. Because I mean, who do you double team? Who do you leave one on one? You know, it, it's going to put a lot of stress, I think, on opposing offenses because these three can just get after the quarterback by themselves, and then you bring in guys like Mario Addison, who even at his age is still a productive pass rusher. He's going to be standing up, so he's going to be able to just get after it. You're going to see Bruce Irvin up there. You're going to see uh, a lot of Brian Burns, who, by the way, has been having a hell of a camp already so far. Oh, yeah. So um, there's there's no reason to think this front seven is not going to be one of the strongest units in the league, and especially in this kind of division, because we, you guys know well, this is a very quarterback-heavy division with Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, and Matt Ryan. And so the, and pass rush was obviously the biggest need for the Panthers, and they went out and got it. Arguably, they double-dipped it, because I think you're even going to see – I wouldn't be surprised to see Christian Miller get some looks at one of those outside linebacker yeah. spots as well. So this, this is a very – exciting unit I think on both the front and, and even some of the guys they'll rotate I mean Kyle Love provides good depth on the defensive line uh Brian Cox is a solid guy Vernon Butler has shown he's a good developmental good backup type player that'll give you a few snaps a game so just the way the, the Panthers are going to rotate this front seven I think has to give give Panthers fans a lot of hope this season we're out of time here, Bill. Thank you so much for joining the show. Everybody check out Bill Rossetti, host of Locked On Panthers, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again, Bill. We will no doubt be talking to you again this season. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. For Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again to Bill Rossetti for joining the show. We will be back to take you around the league again tomorrow, right here on Locked On NFL.